Lane Neve is recognised as one of New Zealand's leading full-service law firms, with offices in Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch and Queenstown. Founded in 1868, the firm has 26 partners and around 170 people, which means that it can call on its many experienced legal specialists to serve a huge variety of clients, from individuals to multinationals. It's also what makes Lane Neve a great place to work, as they're proud to put their people, staff and clients at the heart of the firm. Kia ora koutou, haere mai and welcome to this episode of the What A Lawyer podcast. I'm your host Sam Lindsay, a professional agent in the legal market by training and trade. And joining us on the show today is someone who has made a habit of taking her opportunities and hence the main topic of our conversation today. She graduated from the University of Canterbury with a Bachelor of Laws and Political Science before starting her career in Lane Neves employment team in Christchurch underneath Andrew Shaw, a highly regarded individual within the firm and the industry. Back then, their team had exposure to not only employment and health and safety, but also civil and criminal. Save a short stint with Langdon Hudson Butcher and a fixed term contract with Perpetual Guardian, she basically worked her way from solicitor to partner albeit including a geographical move and leading the opening of Lane Neves Auckland office. In 2016, she was nominated for Young Lawyer of the Year at the New Zealand Law Awards, then has been a regular name amongst the Doyle's Guide, the Asia Pacific Legal 500, and Chambers and Partners for her work in employment and health and safety. She has also been recognized as one of New Zealand's elite women of 2023 and 2022. In her work, she advises on all aspects of termination, including performance management, misconduct, serious misconduct, medical incapacity, restructurings and redundancies, and negotiated exits. She also specializes in collective bargaining, human rights commission matters, and independent external investigations. Outside of work, she can be found traveling overseas or visiting the majority of her family who are still based in Christchurch. What a lawyer, it's Fiona McMillan. Hi, thank you for having me. Welcome, Fee, and thanks for being with us today. It's uh, it's great to have you on the show. So, what have you been up to lately? Um, well, I think if you'd asked me that question probably in about April this year, I would have said to you, um, "Look, it's been a bit of a bit of a slow start." Um, but asking me this now, um, as we're heading towards the end of the day, end of the year, sorry, where. We're we're really busy, um, which is which is awesome, and it's it's a real mix of work as well at the moment, which is great. It's government work, it's private work, it's acting for employers, employees, doing investigations. So, um, from a partner in a law firm perspective, I'm in I'm in my happy place at the moment. Nice one, good to hear. And look, before we kick into today's main topic, we obviously glossed over your career a little bit there. Um, at the start, but would you be able to take us on a slightly more detailed journey? Yeah, so look, I guess in a lot of ways it was it was quite a traditional start for me. Um, I um, did a paper at the University of Canterbury called the internship paper, and as a part of that, you had to do eighty hours in a workplace um, and write a bit of a paper about it. Um, I was placed at at Lane Neve Christchurch. Um, and I, I really enjoyed those 80 hours. Um, they then said to me, well, what are you doing this summer? And I said, oh, well, Countdown has kindly given me full-time hours. 
Um, and they said, well, um, would you would you take a, a clerkship here instead? So I so I jumped at that. Um, and I was interestingly actually um, based in the corporate team for my for my summer clerkship, but the um, my supervisor at the time very kindly said, uh, look, um, you're doing well, but this clearly isn't the thing that's driving you wild. And I said, no. Um, so he kindly arranged for me to get exposure to, to back to the employment team, civil, criminal, family. Um, and then at the end of that clerkship, they kindly offered me a, a graduate position and I did um, six years at Lane Neb Christchurch based in the employment team. So I guess on that basis, it was quite a, quite a traditional start. Um, I then wanted to, to make a geographical move and I was looking at Melbourne or, or Sydney. The recruiters I was, was talking to at the time were saying, well, look, you know, we can, we can grab you a role, um, but the Australian market's really slowing down and we can't guarantee that they won't make you redundant in six months' time. So that wasn't overly inviting. Um, then um, said, well, look, hang on, we've got we've got heaps of jobs in Auckland. Would you be interested in Auckland? Um, and made that move. And as you said, I, I had short stints at Langton Hudson Butcher and Perpetual Guardian. And then a year in Auckland, Lane Neve decided to, to make the move up here. And um, I jumped ship quickly back to, to Lane Neve and, and the rest is history. So as I said, probably quite a traditional start. And then it kind of went a different path. Um, a few years ago. Cool. Thanks for that, Pete. Now, the topic of, of our episode today is all about being brave and taking opportunities when they present themselves. Um, with the career that you've had and, and obviously all the opportunities along the way that you've taken, you know, naturally having you to discuss this topic is going to be a really fun one. So we have four points that we want to cover. So with that, let's jump into the first one around supervision. Now, when we talk about taking opportunities, um, especially let's talk about that as a junior more so perhaps than a senior um in terms of that actual relationship how do you get the best out of it and how do you gain how do you take all the opportunities you possibly can yeah and I think I think that that goes both ways right so I I went into this profession thinking I'm just I'm not going to say no to anything um and I'm just going to give everything a crack so whether that be um, files I was presented with, whether I was invited to to events, whether I was asked to to write for for a magazine or whatever, um, I from day from day one I was I decided I wasn't going to say no to to anything. But then on the flip side of that, um, I had a supervising partner who who you mentioned, Andrew Shaw, who's now the managing partner of Lane Neve. Um, as much as I like to give him stick in person, um, he was a blooming brilliant supervising partner in the sense that he gave me a lot of opportunity. And I think I probably got exposure to things in those first five years that some people, I think, in some environments wouldn't get exposure to in, in 10, 15. Um, but I also never felt like I was left to my own devices or drowning. Um, or if he thought I was getting a bit carried away, he was pretty good at kind of pulling pulling me back in. So it's tough. You've got to kind of build up that trust with that person um, from from the beginning. Um, and often a part of that is just just saying yes to to everything. 
but they've got to have the the confidence to give you a bit of rope as well. Mm. Trust is a pretty big keyword there, eh? Um, I think especially you know when you're starting out and you might have a new supervisor. How do you think you could build trust with your supervisor to ultimately get to that point where they might be able to give you a bit more leash? Well, I think the starting point is you've got to realise that them putting you in front of their clients um, and trusting you with a piece of work is actually a really big deal. Um, and I probably only appreciate that now as a partner. You you do a lot of work to bring in clients. You do a lot of work to, to maintain those relationships. And then if a member of your team mucks something up and you lose that relationship, you're at you're you're gutted, right? So um so I think that the starting point is understanding that gaining that trust is the reason for it and and why it is so important. The other part of it, I think, is I think you've got to you've got to show confidence, but you've also got to know your limits. Um, and I think that's something that you you get a little bit over time. But if you are if you're being hesitant about things, if you're saying no to things, well, that that's not going to build that trust. But on the flip side, if you are just having a crack at everything yourself and perhaps going beyond what your supervising partner wants, then that trust is going to break down pretty quickly. So. I, I know it's probably um, a bit difficult to articulate, but just finding that that middle point, I think, is really important at the beginning of your career. Mm, it sounds like a fine line, but let's just say, for example, I'm not the most confident young lawyer. And obviously showing confidence is a really important trait when you are trying to build that confidence and that trust with your supervisor. Put yourself in my shoes for a moment. Is there something that I could do that would be able to help develop that side to to ultimately become more trusted in the supervisor's eyes? Well, I guess I'm talking a little bit about the relationship between a perhaps a graduate lawyer and a supervising partner. Um, but what we we forget is that there's often a whole a whole bunch of people in between there um, who who know a lot of stuff. And they're really willing to help. And probably for a lot of them, um, quite recently they've been in that position. So they so they understand um what it feels like to be a graduate. So I know in my time, you know, I had incredible senior solicitors, associates, senior associates above me, who were really good at me kind of testing things. So I'd say, look, before I go to Andrew with this, um, what do you what do you think? Or I know my very first court appearance, um, a senior solicitor in the team um, came with me um, at the time. Now, she just sat in the public gallery um, and um, it was just a backstop for me that if for whatever reason it all fell apart, she was going to come forward. And just um, having that, that person in the background um, gave me a lot of comfort. So I think if you're trying to build that confidence with your partner, don't be afraid to use the people in between. Mm, cool. Great point, especially on relying on the team. You know, I think a lot of the way that, you know, your businesses are structured in that sense really relies on that knowledge share model. So Same. definitely a good well to draw from as a junior. Um, let's just say we don't have the most willing supervisor. Um, how might we take opportunities that are not necessarily given to us um, freely 
or mm. um, you feel like you're perhaps being a wee bit micromanaged? Or yeah, and look speaking again, right? Because this isn't the this isn't the experience that you had. Um, no, you know I mean? um, but I but at the same time, um, I have seen people have those experiences, whether it's sure. whether it's peers or, or people working under different managers. I guess the starting point is I think law firms have got a lot a lot better at this, but historically partners became partners because they were doing a lot of law they were um they were hitting the numbers they were promoted and then they were told right so now you need to go out and get your own clients and you need to lead a team and they went what hang on I've never I've never done that before um but I think our firms have got, got a lot better at that but you've also got to remember that um partners are not necessarily trained teachers mm. um and don't be afraid to give some feedback to your supervisor about about what you need. And I would probably phrase that in, in the way that you expect feedback, right? So there's nothing more disheartening as a junior lawyer when you get a piece of work back from a partner and there's just read all over it, right? So on that same basis, I don't encourage a conversation with with your supervising partner um, based on, hey, well, look, you're a terrible boss because of these five reasons. I think if it's a conversation that's, hey, look, um, I'm finding this great. Um, I'm learning a lot from this. Um, but probably what I need a little bit more of is this. Um, I think you will find nine times out of 10 um, supervisors will be incredibly receptive to that because we don't know what we don't know, right? Um, but I think if if they aren't receptive about those conversations or perhaps things go backwards, um, firms, firms have a number of mechanisms in place now where people can get support, whether it be other partners, whether it be management, et cetera. But I, it's worth having that initial conversation about, about what more you need. Yeah. And by the sounds of it, and, and from a, a previous episode that we've also had, um, a lot of that comes down to courage on both sides to actually have those sorts of conversations. But more importantly, I find, especially in my line of work, is to actually remove the emotion out of that conversation and just go strictly to the point. And this is exactly why we're having this discussion. So that's good to hear. Um, cool. I mean, we could go down a rabbit hole here for quite a while, especially on this this people piece <laughs> in a supervisory sense. But let's jump forward to... Um, taking uh, opportunities that may not perhaps be where you're based right now. Um, mm. You've got a couple of examples of this. Um, do you want to talk us through that? Yeah, look, I think my move to Auckland um, was based on the fact that I'd grown up in Christchurch, educated in Christchurch, first job in Christchurch. Um, the place wasn't quite the same post-earthquake and I, I was just ready for, for a move. Um, and as I said, the starting point was Australia, but by default, I ended up in Auckland. But I guess I have learnt quite a few things from from that. And I think probably this the first one was, and I know this seems obvious, but it was a was a real surprise to me, is that um, the opportunities in a bigger place um, are not necessarily better, but there are more of them. Um, I think growing your practice in somewhere like Christchurch, often you are just trying to get clients or, 
off other lawyers, right? But Auckland's kind of growing at a pace where companies are opening all the time and are saying, oh, look, we don't have an employment lawyer. Um, so I think um, it's opened up some, some real opportunities, I guess, from a quantity perspective, Auckland. Um, and I guess the other thing as well is, even though law is really relationships-based, I have been really surprised that so many Auckland lawyers, so many Auckland firms, so many Auckland businesses have been like, hey, Fiona, welcome welcome to, to Auckland. Um, what's Lane Leave Auckland about? You know, people have been incredibly welcoming. Um, and I would suggest anyone facing a bit of a geographical move, that's probably something you're a little bit hesitant about, but I think you will be you will be pleasantly surprised. Mm, cool. And let's talk about this massive opportunity that you were presented um, to basically lead the opening of Lane Neves Auckland office. I mean, that's no easy feat. Do you want to bring us up to speed on that? Yeah, and I think um, it, it hasn't been easy, but at the same time, um, there have been lots of little steps. So I guess when I, I look back, I think, you know, heck, we've achieved a lot in a, in a short amount of time. We'll be nine years old in January. Um, there's about 40 of us now. Um, but it's not like we went from one to 40 overnight. We've really kind of done lots of little things over the last nine years that have, that have got us to this point. I think um, probably the thing that really uh, kicked me off was um, when I returned to Lane Neve under the Auckland umbrella, Andrew Shaw was um, was my supervising partner again, just remotely. Um, and he was very clear that he said, Fiona, when you left, we, we replaced you. So there's not this body of work that we can just hand to you. Um, if Lane Eve Auckland is going to work and if you're going to be successful in Auckland, you're going to have to go out and, and get your own work. Um, and I think often lawyers want to build their own practices, but when you need to, it definitely does put a rocket up you pretty quickly and perhaps things you would achieve over three years you quickly do in six months. So, um, you know, and I think... Perhaps you could say that that's a bit of a bit of a tough start, but but probably that was the best conversation that anyone could have had with me, really. Mm. And I suppose it's actually a whole new skill set that you are required to have, right? Because not only are you just technically practicing law, you're out doing business development, client management, uh, relationship management, you know, all of this people-focused detail rather than, you know, applying legal advice to a client so man I can totally see why you know you, you wouldn't grow that too quickly because gosh it, it might take a minute to get to that point yeah yeah you're right but I I look back and I think a lot of what I had to do at Lane Eve Auckland in that first year I had been building those skills and in, in my time at, at Lane Eve Christchurch anyway because because Andrew had put me in, in front of so many clients, because I had spoken at seminars and conferences before, um, all these little things I'd done over that time had, had built my confidence to be able to, to launch myself with, with Lane Neve Auckland. 
Um, but I think you're right. If I'd been sitting behind a desk for seven, eight years, just doing the opinions, um, just doing the paperwork, and then was told, right, you need to to build a practice, I think that would have been a, a massive step. Yeah. So let's let's launch into the partnership talks now, and let's just say we've got a, a bunch of senior lawyers out there that are probably at that senior associate or special counsel level, or even might be in-house looking to come across a private practice into a partnership. Obviously, there's a few things to consider there. Um, but ultimately, I mean, it, to, to kind of blanket a question here is when an opportunity comes up for partnership, what does that look like? And what might someone at that senior level need to be able to provide or perhaps have demonstrated in order to be considered to join that partnership? Mm -hmm. It's it's really challenging, I think, because different firms, I think, need different things. I think teams can be in different stages of, of size and growth. Um, and I think you as an individual might have have different skills as, as well. And I guess what I'm alluding to is there will be times where firms, particularly bigger firms, will have a big body of clients, a big body of work, and they need a really good lawyer who is great with relationships to look after that work, right? So you might not need skills around bringing in clients, but you might need skills around um, maintaining relationships, um, supervising other people doing that work, doing the work yourself. Whereas in other firms, um, you are, I guess, required more to have your own own base um your own set of clients that 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 only go to you um and an ability to to spread that work around a, a team or a firm so I guess the business case looks really different for every firm and every person but there are there are general qualities I think that no matter where you're going to be if you're going to be a partner you you need yeah okay and um, if we now move over into our last point around, you know, this bravery piece and taking every opportunity that you get presented. Um, and I think this is probably one of the bigger points that we have to cover here, but it all, it all comes back to that summer clerk and that graduate program. Um, and obviously opportunities arrive at that level and it's all about what you put in, right. In order to get what you want. So what does that look like for you? And how might someone take those sorts of opportunities? Yeah, and I think I'm probably going to go a little bit off piece here, and um, you might have to rein me back in. But I, uh, you know, I've said that I've had a really traditional start, and um, I think back when I graduated, if you had above average grades and a personality, you'd get a job. It may not be your first pick, but you'd get a job. Um, I'm very conscious that the graduates that are coming through now um, don't have those same benefits. Um, there are a lot of graduates coming through and not the jobs. So I guess my starting point is don't think that a summer clerkship in a medium to large size firm um, and then a graduate position is your only way into, into law. Um, and I am seeing law students now going different paths, saying yes to different opportunities um, and ending up having really, really fulfilling careers. 
Um, sorry, that's probably not where you wanted me to go. But um, while I had uh, the attention of your listeners, I did want to, to say that piece. No, look, I think it's all valuable anyway. Um, grad intake programs these days naturally have a, an element of rotation, again, depending on the firm, depending on the size. But I just think giving juniors those broad opportunities nice and early in their career doesn't necessarily give them that feeling of pigeonhole or, you know, gives them broad exposure to test out what does that area of law look like? What about that one? And then what skills can you pull from that experience and transfer that over into a different area? So I think it's great. So good good answer in the end. <laughs> um, Thank you. I got there. Yeah, cool. Hey, Fee, we're going to jump into our quick fire five now. Obviously, these are the questions you don't know about. Um, we're just looking for your first and genuine answer, okay? So... Yeah. First question for you is, who is someone that you look up to and why? I, I'm i hoping he is not listening to this because his his head will get ginormous. But um, as I've already talked about, our managing partner, Andrew Shaw, who, who was my supervising partner, um, I'm incredibly grateful to, to him. Um, for for everything that he's done for for my career and and for me personally, so I think um, I would I would have to say um, Andrew um, first up. What is something that you do for you and why? I am fairly religious about not working weekends. Um, I have kind of worked out that I run better if I put in big hours Monday to Friday and then have Saturday and Sunday um, completely free to do my own thing. I do find that if if I do work a weekend day, I actually don't think I'm at 100% the following week. I just, it doesn't seem to work for me. So that's the thing I, I, I generally do for me. Balance is best, right? Um, 100% and you've got to work out what your balance is right um, but that's that's it for me yeah and that's going to be different for everybody right but if that's what works for you and you know that then that's awesome um, 100%. why do you love employment law and health and safety so much I think for me it's particularly employment it's it's a really good balance of law and actually being quite practical and being quite strategic. Um, the the senior solicitor who I spoke about earlier on, who gave me a lot of support in my career, Amy Kerr, who's now a barrister in Christchurch, she said to me once that essentially we're just sorting out people problems, right? It's just a people problem. Um, and that's, that's really stuck with me. Um, and I think having that mix of law and people is something that I that I enjoy it keeps me really interested in it nice and what is something that you wish law school had better prepared you for when entering your first role probably probably two things for me the first is I felt like law school drafting was about adding as many long, complicated words as you possibly could to look fancy and grown up. And then you get to your first year of private practice and they're like, just strip it right back, Fiona. You know, if you can say something in, in one sentence that you've put three, then you've then you've nailed it. So I think probably drafting. Um, and I think 
probably the second thing, and I think law schools have got better at this now, is just this emphasis more on on public speaking. Um, I did a lot of that stuff in high school, um, so I felt as if I was a little bit better equipped than those who hadn't done that in high school, um, then went to, to uni and and then to, um, onto their, their first job. And I'm not just talking about court work or litigation. It doesn't matter what area of law you do and whether it's in-house, private practice, a government department, you've got to be able to hold a conversation with more than one person. You've got to be able to present to a group. So um, I think the law schools are getting a little bit better at it now, but I'd love to see even even more of it. Nice. And finally, what is a piece of advice that you would give a young fee? Well, actually, I'm I'm going to to give young fee a bit of advice that our chairperson at the time gave um, fee when she became a became a partner and. Um, our chairperson at the time, Brian Pearson, when I became a partner, said, um, "Fiona, you've, you know, you've become a partner relatively young. Um, this is this is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, there's no point going all guns blazing and burning out by 40, right? Like you've put so much into this career. Um, what's the what's the point of of blowing out by 40? And that's something that has really stuck with me, and I think would have been even more beneficial um, if, if young Fee had, had heard that when she'd started her, her first job. Nice. Do you, do you find that kind of advice keeps you in the moment a bit more, a bit more grounded? Yeah, look, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, I think people in the legal profession, we can get a bit, um, it, this can be a bit all-consuming, I think, at times, and we lose, I think, a bit of perspective of of what's happening in the real world and um and outside the four walls of a law firm. So I think, I think advice like that is is incredibly beneficial. Yeah, and perhaps around Christmas time as well. Correct. Yeah. Yes, about cool. now actually. Imagine <laughs> so. Well done, Fee. Great piece of advice and and great note to finish on. Um, that before we say goodbye, a quick note um, and a thank you to everyone out there getting around the show. We're enjoying every conversation and bits of feedback that come on along the way. So please keep them coming. If you enjoy the show, please give us a follow. And if any feedback on this episode, uh, please email sam at chismclark.co.nz so we can produce more of the conversations that you want to hear. And a huge thanks to our wonderful guest, Fiona McMillan, for joining us on the podcast and sharing her experience on being brave and taking every opportunity that comes your way. Thanks again, Fee. What a lawyer. It's Fiona McMillan. Thank you. What an interesting chat with Fee around being brave and taking opportunities. We discussed various points surrounding your relationships with supervisors and earning trust and how to really develop your career at that young age and what sort of opportunities are presented to you or which ones you need to go and grab. We also dipped into opportunities that may not necessarily be where you're currently based. So, you know, if you're in the South Island and there's a role happening in the North, then being open to those sorts of opportunities will no doubt open a couple of more doors that you may not have thought would be there. At the more senior end, opportunities at partnership don't come up very often. And often 
there is an idea of succession from the firm in, in play, but like Fee said, various partnerships have various reasons for looking for new partners. So if you're at the senior end and thinking that that's a great opportunity for you, then that's something that you should definitely consider. And right back to where it all begins at that junior end in the summer clerks and the grads, just like Fee said, uh, really what you put in at that junior end is what you'll get out later on. So if there's opportunities that are begging and you go and grab them, then that will no doubt set you up in great stead for a, a good, strong future and, and at least great relationship building within the firm and within your colleagues and, and supervisors as well. So win-win. Another thank you to Fiona McMillan for her time and uh, sharing her story and her experience and to Lane Neve for uh, sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Cheers, guys. And finally, if something has resonated in you from this chat with Fiona, please feel free to reach out to discuss or learn about any open market opportunities or off-market opportunities. Chisholm Clark is one of New Zealand's leading legal search firms and we take your privacy and your search very seriously. And uh, we've worked with a lot of great lawyers and if you're interested to work with us as well, then we look forward to hearing from you. Until the next time, uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode and all the best out there. Cheers.